0: Thanks brother, appreciate it. Well good morning, how's everyone doing? Happy Easter, happy Resurrection Sunday. So blessed to be here with you guys. For those of you who don't know me, my name is James. I have the privilege and honor of being the pastor here at Calvary Chapel McKinney. And it's kind of crowded this morning. <laughs> That's kind of crazy. Praise the Lord. That's awesome. I'll tell you, two years ago, we did our first Easter service. Uh, you guys know the water down here, the lake, the tower? We set up where the tower is, and we used the patio out there with like 20 folding chairs. And I couldn't believe it because like 17 people showed up. And it was like, dude, we're done. Like this, is, The Lord has answered our call, and this is incredible. And I'll tell you, I've never been a numbers guy. I love small church. This blows my mind right now. This is kind of crazy, because I'll tell you, it's in spite of us. Amen? This is... uh... This is a reminder, you simply teach the Word of God, you trust where His Spirit leads us, and man, He does the rest. Um, someone asked me the other day if, how we kind of got here, and I'm like, we have no idea. So that should, that should let you know about how seriously we take ourselves. We take the Word of God seriously, we let the Lord lead us. Beyond that, man, we are just so stoked to see all the young people up here, everyone here. So with that said, we're going to be in Matthew 28 this morning, so if you have your Bible with you, go ahead and turn there. You could probably guess we're going to be looking at the resurrection this morning, and so, so normally, we are in the Gospel of Mark. We've been working through verse by verse through Mark, and uh, we've taken the break. Last week, we studied Matthew's account of the triumphal entry. Uh, now, this week, we're looking at the resurrection. And so, uh, we were blessed to be together on Good Friday. Good Friday, we obviously celebrated the death of Jesus upon the cross. And doesn't that sound like a weird statement that the church would say we got together to celebrate the death of our Lord? <laughs> but we have to remember, because of what happened on Sunday because he rose again he proved that everything he said was true Jesus is not a liar. He rose again to show that he is the perfect one. He came, he fulfilled everything that he said is true. Amen? Amen. Including when he said in John five twenty four, one of my favorite verses in the New Testament, Jesus said, Most assuredly I say to you, he who hears my word, believes in him who sent me, has everlasting life, shall not come into judgment, but has passed from death into life. And see, if Jesus doesn't resurrect, Let's say Jesus is perfect and He dies upon a cross. But what if He stays dead? How do we know that His word was ever true, that it was verified? This morning we realize because He rose again, everything He said is true. You see, the wages of sin is death. But Jesus is not dead because he never sinned. He didn't deserve the wages of death. We have to understand that today we are celebrating a living Savior who lives to make intercession for everyone who calls upon his name. I have to make that clear. It's kind of unorthodox to present the gospel at the beginning of the message. But can I tell you, if you come here for Easter every year and you say, okay, I'm going to do my business. I'm going to check the box. I'll tell you right now, I don't want you tuning out before you get the gospel. Jesus Christ loves you. He died for you. He is the truth. He is the way. He's the life. No one comes to God the Father except through Him. Amen? Amen. And so with that said, all right, hallelujah. And so let's go ahead. If you're at Matthew 28, say, I'm there. Let me pray and we're going to jump right into it. Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness, Lord. Thank you for your mercy, for your grace, for your love. Lord, Father, we pray that this morning, Lord, that you would be glorified in our midst, Lord, that we would... Lord, that we would be fully surrendered to you and through the power of your spirit that you would do a fresh new work here, Lord. And Father, I do, I pray for anyone in here that hasn't already put their trust in you that they would realize, Lord Jesus, this is not about ritualistic religion. This is about a relationship with a risen, living Savior. And so, Lord, we pray that you would do a fresh work here. Lord, we love you, we praise you, and we ask it in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We're going to see three things this morning. We're going to see a resurrection, we're going to see some corruption, and we're going to see a commission. Look at verses 1 through 4, we'll begin with the resurrection of Jesus. It says, Now after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. His countenance was like lightning and his clothes as white as snow. And the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. <laughs> I love it. i got to point this out. We're talking about a risen Savior and who's dying. <laughs> the people are acting like dead men because they didn't believe in Jesus. They didn't know anything about Jesus. And we're here celebrating the risen one this morning. And so, in verse 1, we see that it's after the Sabbath, the first day of the week. It says that Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, we say, who is this other Mary? Uh, it seems that she's the mother of James, probably James the less. Maybe the mother of James, son of Zebedee. Probably not. We're thinking it's probably the mother of James the less. But they show up and they're coming here to the tomb, we're told. And it's the first day of the week. It says, it's because there was a Sabbath day. Remember, there was a Sabbath day before uh, this day that they're showing up to the tomb. See, on Friday, when Jesus had died upon the cross, we know that as he died, we know that that we had Nicodemus and we had Joseph of Arimathea who said, we're going to take him. We're going to take his body. May we have his body that we can bury him in this tomb. And remember, they were preparing him, knowing that the Sabbath was coming so they had to move quickly so they did a burial but it wasn't the most proper we'll say it wasn't to the extent that it should be these women this is incredible to me we're told in Luke 24 1, that they brought spices which they had prepared to anoint Jesus' body And see what this means, two things. (laughs) They couldn't do it the day before because they had to honor the Sabbath. They couldn't do the work. But the minute they could get going, we're actually told that while it was still dark in John 20, verse 1, they got out and they said, we're going to the tomb. We have to anoint and take care of Jesus' body. So first of all, even in Jesus' death, they were faithful to serve the Lord. (laughs) But you know, they didn't even know the resurrection had occurred. Do you know that they weren't even expecting a resurrection at this time? They're taking spices to anoint a body in a tomb. And when we think about this, can I just tell you? This is not how you would begin a false story about some resurrection. You know in this season, in this time, in this culture, a woman's testimony wasn't even able to be given in the court of law. Why would there be women at this thing? Do you know what I love about Jesus? Jesus. He is always about blessing those who come in here who are humble, who are lowly, who are faithful servants of His. And I'll tell you, their obedience, they're going to be blessed for it. And see, as we see this, they show up. We know that in Matthew sixteen three, they said, who's going to roll away the giant stone? How are we even going to get in there? They didn't let the obstacle that was before them keep them from serving the Lord. (laughs) Have you ever said, how are we going to serve the Lord? There's this issue. There's this problem. There's this thing. And they say, we're going to go. We don't know how, but we're going to go. And you know what the Lord did? (laughs) The Lord moved that stone. And can I tell you what's important? (laughs) Jesus didn't need the stone to get moved for him to get out. Do you know that? In John John 20, 19, he shows up in locked rooms behind locked doors, right? He's just floating through walls. You're like, what is this, right? A stone is not keeping Jesus from resurrecting and presenting himself. But that stone had to get moved that mankind could come in and investigate and see that it is true. If that stone stays there, if we can't go in, we don't know that Jesus rose again. Yes, he may appear, but we have to understand that it's not some ghost. He resurrected. He is alive. His body's not in there, and it's his ghost appearing. This is a risen Savior. Amen? Amen? This is very important to know, but we say, well, how did that happen? this account, Matthew notes this. He says that there was an earthquake because an angel of the Lord had descended from heaven. This angel shows up, causes an earthquake from his presence. (laughs) Imagine being those guards, by the way. (laughs) We have a lot of California transplants. Who's from California in here? Yeah, uh, amen. (laughs) Okay. How many of you experienced an earthquake before? Yeah, that's right. How many of you experienced the Northridge earthquake? That was a gnarly earthquake. I was a kid, And I'll tell you, that earthquake made me shake more than the earth itself. It was so terrifying, right? It was a 6.6 earthquake in the middle of the night. I believe it was Martin Luther King Day, if I remember right. It was in the middle of the night, and it was terrifying. (laughs) And this kind of thing, remember, they're standing here at a tomb. Do you know there was an earthquake at the cross of Jesus' as well? Remember that earthquake, and in that earthquake, remember what happened to the veil, right? In the temple, it tore from top to bottom. And now, if you're still questioning... Was this the Son of God? Now there's an angel that shows up with an earthquake that makes the stone roll away. (laughs) These guards must have been so terrified, right? I don't know. I feel like this would be, it says, they were like dead men. Because the the angel looked like lightning and white as snow. This reminds me of Jesus's uh, what is it? His 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 revelation, his transfiguration upon the mount. Right, it's in Mark nine five through six. Do you remember what Peter ended up doing in the presence of of a transfigured Jesus? He ended up kind of babbling, right? <laughs> He's like, "Oh Jesus, this is awesome. We got Elijah, we got Moses here. Let's build tabernacles and just live here forever up on this mountain. This will be great." And God has to literally be like, "Hey, quiet, Peter. Right, listen to my son. Don't listen to this guy. Listen to my son." Right. <laughs> (laughs) When you're in the presence of heavenly, glorified things, I just tell you, you don't know what to do with yourself. And it's one thing when you're Peter, who believes upon the Lord. When you're a Roman guard, this is going to kill you. You're going to fall over dead. You're terrified of things like the revelation of heavenly things. And see, this morning, you may come in and say, we're talking about some weird things that almost kind of scare me. (laughs) We're talking about a risen Savior. Yes. And I'll tell you, it scares you if you do not believe in Jesus Christ. But that fear is absolutely eclipsed with joy when we embrace the gospel of Jesus Christ. And see, it's interesting here. Look what happens here in verses verses 5 through (laughs) 8. Imagine, you have these these men have fallen over like dead men. It says in verse 5, But the angel answered and said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come, see the place where the Lord lay, and go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead, and indeed he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. And so they went out quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to bring his disciples word. In this section, we have the women that are there. They go, they go in. And I'll be honest, if you take all the gospel accounts and connect them together, there's some questions of, well, where's Mary Magdalene? Is she here? Is she in this moment as well? You put them all together. I personally believe that Mary Magdalene at this point has probably run off to tell the disciples from the empty tomb. If you go to John's account, it kind of makes sense. And the remaining women are here saying, okay, we're going to come in. I don't know. You can. That's kind of a give or take thing. You take it all together. Whatever it is, we have a bunch of women still that are walking into the tomb. And when they come in here, it says, do not be afraid, because look at I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. And he says, come on in and check it out. Don't be afraid. Do you know that the same angel that came for the same purpose, the, the same thing to roll away the stone, it terrified the guards in unbelief. But to those that came seeking Jesus, he says, don't be afraid. How is that possible that the same angel with essentially the same situation says two different things? Man, these guys fall over dead in fear. But you don't be afraid. And as a matter of fact, he tells them, he says, don't be afraid. He says, because you seek Jesus who was crucified. You see, this says for a fact It wasn't some ghost that was crucified on a cross. It was Jesus Christ, the man. He came, he lived a perfect life, he died upon a cross, and he indeed did die. But he says, here's the deal, though he was crucified, he says, he's not here. He is risen, as he said, come and see the place where the Lord lay. And he says, come on in, if you don't believe it, come and see this is a very important thing we must remember that Jesus desires that everyone come into the tomb and see that this is truth. <laughs> see, you walked in here this morning and said, I don't know about all this. This whole thing kind of scares me a little bit. <laughs> Can I tell you, if you came in with that attitude, you're kind of in the position of the fainted Roman soldiers right now. <laughs> you need to understand that if you say, I've come here to see Jesus risen alive, the angel says, then don't be afraid. Come investigate. The Lord will show you that this is truth. Amen? Amen? And see, as we do this, He invites them in. And we're told in Luke 24, 5-7 through that there were two more angels inside. And they said, "'Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Remember how He spoke to you when He was still in Galilee, saying, "'The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and the third day rise again.'" And see, Luke 24 eight tells us they remembered the words of Jesus, and as they saw the empty tomb, they took the promises of the word of Jesus. They saw the evidence before them of this empty tomb, of Roman guards that had fainted, gone away, this angel here. They say, man, this is all coming together. It's all making sense, just like Jesus said. And see, that's why in verse 7, the angel says, go quickly, tell his disciples that he's risen from the dead. Tell everyone, everyone that you know that is desiring to hope in Jesus that is defeated in spirit because he died. Go tell them that he rose again. Go tell them that everything he said is true. It's coming to fruition. And go quickly. Go tell everyone. I think this is awesome because we're told that in verse 8, as they went, they went out quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy I think this is a great recipe and combination for serving the Lord we should have a great joy this morning that our Savior is alive amen can I tell you there's a little bit there should be there should be a lot of reverent fear in the fact that wait a minute God resurrected to life a human man amen. and he died in our place for our sins Man, sin is serious. Jesus had to come and die for it. But God is mighty and powerful because Jesus lives. And I celebrate and rejoice, but I also have reverent fear to the Lord. What do I do with this? I should run quickly and tell everyone I can. See, you are going to run one way or another. You're either going to run and tell everyone about Jesus. Or you're going to run and you're going to try to prevent the truth of Jesus. You're going to try to live in a way that says, no, I don't need to submit to that. And not only not to submit, some will even fight it. That's right. But I love these women. Their lowliness, their gentleness, <laughs> their excitement, but their fear. They say, man, we have to tell everybody. And I love this, that Jesus is. Well, she says, God is willing to reveal the gospel to the lowly. To the people that society would say, well, who are, why women? In this case, in this culture, can I tell you, if you feel unimportant in any way today, can I tell you, God desires that you would come in and investigate the tomb. That you would realize that Jesus has rose again and that you would take that news out. That you would become a bondservant of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I tell you, you are made for that very purpose. <laughs> you might say, well, I'm not called to be a pastor. I'm not saying you are. But everyone in here, when you come to Jesus Christ, you become a bondservant of Jesus Christ. The word is doulos in the Greek. It is to say, I'm going to willingly give my life to serve the Lord. These women came and said, even in his death, I'm going to come and serve him. And now that he has risen, I'm going to serve him even more. (laughs) I'm going to run and tell everyone. Amen? Amen? Look at verse 9 through 10. It says, And as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them, saying, Rejoice. So they came and held him by the feet and worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brethren to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. This is so cool to me because the women run off, they have an empty tomb. They have the word of an angel that Jesus is risen, but they hadn't yet seen the risen Christ. But they said, man, everything that we have so far points to the truth. (laughs) I don't know if you guys in here have seen the risen Christ in front of you. I have not yet seen the literal risen Christ in front of me. But I'll tell you, there's going to be a day I'm going to see him before me. For all of us that have trusted in him, we're going to see him face to face someday. We're told in 2 Corinthians, I believe it's 5.8, it says that we are well pleased knowing that we all, oh, to be absent from the body, if we trust in the Lord, we will be present with the Lord. And see, right now, you don't have that promise unless you've trusted in Jesus Christ. Can I tell you, you will see Jesus, but He will be your judge if you've refused Him. But 1 John 2.1 tells us He can be your advocate when you trust in Him. And see, Jesus died on a cross for the sins of all the world. Amen? But it's not a message of universalism. There is one way, one truth, one life, Jesus Christ. Not all roads lead to God. If Jesus is lying, he should stay dead. He rose again. He said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. The reality is that if you don't put your trust in Jesus Christ, there is a real, true, literal hell. Jesus talked about it in Matthew 25, 41, 25, 46, but he was so serious to save you from it, he came and died upon a cross for you. But here's the beauty of this. Not only is it about, (laughs) we don't go to hell now, we get to spend eternity in the presence of our Savior, Jesus Christ, as we trust in Him. These women ran off with some a little bit of tangible evidence, an empty tomb, and the message of an angel. They hadn't seen the risen Christ yet, but they said, we're going to obey Him. We believe that we're going to see Him someday. Can I tell you? Obey the Lord, serve the Lord now, and someday you're going to be face to face with Him. And in this moment, they show up, here's Jesus, shows up before them, suddenly shows up, and I love it, one word, Rejoice. <laughs> Is there anything else we should be doing when we realize that Jesus is alive? Rejoice, amen? We are here gathered this morning to rejoice. The Greek word here is hiero. And it's a greeting from Jesus. And this greeting means to be well or to thrive. Because Jesus is risen again, we can rejoice. We know that we can be well. We have peace with God through our Savior, Jesus Christ, according to Romans 5.1. We also now can thrive in the sense that we are now in the vine of Jesus Christ. And if we abide in Him, He and us, we are going to bear fruit. We are going to do the very thing we are created to do. We are going to thrive. We are going to be blessed for it as we trust in Him. But it's incredible here because... It says that they they grasped him, right? It was, they they clung to him. They held him. The word in the Greek here is actually this word. It's krateo. It means to cling, to hold. If you remember when Mary encountered Jesus, Mary Magdalene in John 20, verse 17, she clings Jesus so hard <laughs> that Jesus says, do not cling to me because I haven't ascended to my Father yet. Like, in other words, you're going to hold me down to earth you're holding me so hard. I need to go, right? Like, there's things I got to do. I hope that we Cling to Jesus <laughs> with an excitement says, "Man, He is risen! I am so blessed!" And that's the way we're going to run into the kingdom. <laughs> we are going to run into the arms of our Savior. We're going to bow at His feet. We are going to cling to Him and rejoice over the fact that all of this is true. Everything that is here in the Word, it is truth. And see, their sorrow over the death of their Savior was eclipsed by joy, and they embraced the Lord by worshiping Him. Why do we do worship every time we get together? <laughs> Easter or not, we do this. This is the motto. If this is your first time here, this is what we do every week. We don't, I don't think we're putting, I think we have fancy water and snacks for after service. We don't usually do all that stuff, okay? Um, but we we get together and we worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. We know that the Lord desires our worship. He created us to worship Him. And also, once we understand who Jesus is, it's all we want to do. We want to rejoice in Him. He's the one that makes us well in regards to having peace with God the Father. He's the one that makes us thrive, to the power of His Spirit as we trust in Him. And so we gather and we do these things. But also, I love what Jesus says in verse 10. They're, they're here, they're worshiping Him, but He says, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brethren to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. There's a command from Jesus. Worship me. You're here, you're worshiping. I'm proven who I am. But now that you know who I am, that I am the risen Lord, I have a command for you. Go tell everyone. <laughs> I think it's so easy to say, well, I just want to worship Jesus. When I come to church on Sunday, I'll worship Jesus. I'll sing to Him and that'll be great. I'll stand at His feet. I'll bow at His feet. What are we doing with the message of Jesus Christ? And this is what's beautiful here. We're told to go do this. He says, don't be afraid. Can I tell you how many times? I'm a pastor, okay? I've shared this with you guys. I love to always use this illustration. I will be at a grocery store. I will be at Kroger, where we have our men's study on Thursday night, right? Okay, shout out. We have a, a, yeah, we have a Bible study inside Kroger. How cool is that? Again, don't be that impressed with us, okay? Um, when I'm at Kroger, and I'm just trying to buy like, I don't know, my Cinnamon Toast Crunch or something, and I'm in line, and there's a guy behind me, and the Lord says, tell that guy about me right now. I'm a pastor. And I'm like, oh, Lord, that would be so uncomfortable right now. <laughs> in the middle of Kroger? What am I supposed to say? Hey, I'm buying breakfast cereal. Have you heard about my Lord and Savior? Like, what, <laughs> what, what, is, my, what is my lead in here, right? Uh, I used to be in sales. Do... It's the Holy Spirit, though calls us to do something, can I tell you? We'll never be wrong for stepping out in faith in those things. And I'll tell you, I am not some victor that's done that every time, but when I have done it, you know what I do? I get back to my car and I rejoice. I'm like, Lord, I can't believe that the kingdom is moving, that you're doing these things. Lord, give me more of those opportunities. And you know what the Lord always convicts me with? I've given you those opportunities over and over. (laughs) You're the one that doesn't step into them. You're just trying to get your cereal, man. Like, step into it, right? And so here we are. We're told, go and do this. (laughs) Go out and take this to the brethren. And he calls them. He's referring to the disciples. Go tell my brethren. Can we talk for a minute about like how Peter was acting three days ago towards Jesus. <laughs> he says, "Go tell my brethren." Oh, by the way, hey, tell that tell that denier Peter too. That guy, you know. Actually, don't invite him. I don't really like that guy. Anymore. And I heard Thomas is doubting everything that's happening. Don't invite him either. Uh, you know, the only one that can come is John. It turns out he's the only one that followed very closely to me the other night. So, no, he says, "Go tell my brethren." <laughs> I love this because you might say, "Cool." Well, Jesus had the disciples that are his brethren. We talked about this on Good Friday. In Isaiah 53, it said that the Messiah would see the fact that his life would be prolonged, and he would eventually he'd have a seed of sort. He'd have children, and we would say, "Well, how does that happen?" John 1:12 tells us that as many as believe in His name, we become the children of God. <laughs> and see, we have become like family, as family as we trust in Jesus Christ. We have been blood bought in to the family of God. <laughs> and see, that should make us very excited to know that Jesus would refer to us as well as brothers and sisters today, but he does say in Mark 3.35, he says, whoever does the will of God is my brother and my sister and my mother. And see, oftentimes we say, well, I want to worship Jesus over here, but I don't necessarily want to do all these Jesus things over here. Jesus says, hey, there's a family name over our household. And there's an order, a hierarchy, if you will. And Jesus is the commander, amen? Amen. When Jesus says, go and do this, don't be afraid, Remember, it tells us in 2 Timothy 1.7, you haven't received a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Amen? Amen. We are to go out, and what is it? For our glory? Absolutely not. It is for the glory of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And wherever He's put you, He's called you to do something today that would glorify Him. But look at what happened. We kind of see the opposite of glorifying the Lord here. Look at verse 11 through 15. It says... Now, while they were going, behold, some of the guard came into the city and reported to the chief priest all the things that had happened. When they had assembled with the elders and consulted together, they gave a large sum of money to the soldiers, saying, Tell them his disciples came at night and stole him away while we slept. And if this comes to the governor's ears, we'll appease him and make you secure. So they took the money and did as they were instructed. And this saying is commonly reported among the Jews until this day. And so we have the women who are given this command of the Lord to go tell the brethren. And they're just like, this is awesome. They're worshiping Jesus. They're rejoicing in who he is. They run off in a hurry to tell them. There's another group that's also hurrying to run tell someone. <laughs> they're running and they're like, we got to go tell the religious leaders that this whole plan of putting guards at the tomb, this hasn't played really well. <laughs> this whole thing is fa- Apart, We have to go tell them because remember, they came, the Jewish religious leaders came to Pilate and they said, we want you to station some guards because we know these tricky disciples, you know, Jesus was saying he's going to rise again, which is interesting, right? The Jewish leaders are like, we heard he kept talking about his resurrection. The disciples were like, duh, right? They were oblivious this whole resurrection thing. I think that's interesting. And then he says, can you put some guards over here so they don't steal the body or something, right? Can we do that? Can we protect it? We want to make sure that no one messes with this then they run over as soon as that remember they've seen an angel they've fainted from fear and instead of maybe waking up and being like we should inquire what's in the tomb they go we got to go run and cover up the truth fake news amen right (laughs) this is it the original fake news here and it's the reality of like man we got to cover this up we have to counteract the truth so that we can preserve ourselves your power, your prestige, your position. How do we protect it? And so they run and they tell these guys. And it says that they get together. And they start consulting about how are they going to do this. And they come up. The religious leaders. You know what the best solution is? We should bribe these guys. <laughs> That's a wild church right there, right? They're like, let's, let's do some bribes. You know that Psalms 26, 9 through 10, it says, Do not gather my soul with sinners, nor my life with bloodthirsty men, in whose hands is a sinister scheme, and whose right hand is full of bribes. <laughs> The religious leaders, again, I don't necessarily expect the Romans to honor that, but the Jewish religious leaders, on, they should know this and say, we don't do this. <laughs> there's been an earthquake that tore the veil from top to bottom three days ago. Now there's a rumor of an earthquake that knocked this thing out. Remember, they didn't come to them lying. They told them what happened. And they said, we got to cover this up. I can't have this. And what they do, they tell them, we'll bribe you and we'll bribe the governor. Why would you need to bribe the governor? Because you see, Roman soldiers... <laughs> It was their job, at the very least their career, if not their life, would be at risk for not protecting that tomb. And they say, man, you're going to lose your life over this thing if this finds out. So we'll we'll pay you off to spread this story, first of all, because you're putting your own life at risk. Whatever the sufficient amount is, that's what it says in the Greek, whatever amount of money you need, we'll get it. And can I tell you, where's that coming from? That's probably coming right from the the, the church treasury, by the way. They said, we're going to pay you off however much you want to keep this thing down quiet. And if the governor finds out, we'll pay him too. And all this corruption to stop the fact that this truth may be known. And see, it's wild because these kinds of things happen every day still. I'm not talking about brides. I'm sure those happen. Go to D.C. or something. I'm sure they're out there, right? I'm talking about covering the truth for the sake of your keeping yourself in power. And see, every day, people are making a decision. Though there's an empty tomb, though there's reports of a risen Savior, they say, no, we have to find a way to deny this. Why? Why don't you want a Savior? Because if you have a Savior, guess who He's also? He's a Lord. <laughs> he is the risen Lord Jesus Christ. And if I have to accept him as a Savior, it means I have to respect him as Lord. And I don't like that. I want to be God of my own life. I want to be in charge. Have you ever heard anyone say, there's no God? You've been made. Uh, do whatever you want. There's no absolute truth. When you come to Jesus, there's an absolute truth. It's called the Word of God. And we don't like that in our flesh because it's opposite of everything we are, we are normally bent towards. <laughs> But as we're filled with the Spirit of God, as we surrender to Jesus Christ, we're able to yield to the Spirit and new life comes out. But when you have an experience that all you see is a set of rules or regulation or some threat, the enemy blinds you to think that, man, if you submit to Jesus, that's the worst thing you could do. And see, it's incredible because the great lengths that someone will go to to try to deny Jesus Christ, the existence of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus, And see, it's interesting. These men couldn't deny the existence of Jesus. Everyone saw him. Do you know, right now, secular history knows Jesus lived. We understand that, right? He appears in other holy books. That's kind of gnarly and wild to think about, right? Muhammad ain't in my book, but Jesus in yours? That's crazy, right? That should say something. (laughs) There you go. There's the audio bite from today's service right there. That's the one that'll get me in trouble right there. So... (laughs) But the reality in this section, they're going to great lengths. Think about this story. (laughs) They say, hey, what we'll do is we'll tell them that the four guards, there's usually four guards in a set like this. You four guards that know you'll lose your life or career if you fall asleep, tell everyone that you all fell asleep at the same time. Then you were so asleep You didn't know That like these guys came to take the body Of of Jesus You didn't know that That's how asleep you were But you were awake enough to know That it was the disciples Okay But also the disciples Who were so scared and cowardice At this moment by the way Big strong Roman soldiers With all kinds of weapons But you know And they just snuck by And still the body And they got out of there no problem And all this happened It all makes sense right That story is (laughs) ridiculous We understand that right Have you ever heard the ideas of where you've come from or the fact that you're some kind of animal that's evolved or something? These are absurd things because we're trying to get away from the Word of God that says we must answer to who He is. If we just cover up and pretend that Jesus did not resurrect, then I don't have to submit to Him as Lord. But you can't deny the fact He's still God. He's the Lord. The only one missing out would be you. They tried to put human muscle in front of a tomb. It didn't work. They tried to seal it with a stone. Didn't work. They tried to seal it with the Roman authority seal. Didn't work. Look, you can try to deny God and fight against Him, but He's going to have His way, man. And so the reality is, we said it's not a message of universalism. That doesn't mean that you just get to waltz in because even though you rejected Jesus Christ. You either can accept Jesus Christ as the total righteousness, the payment and atonement and propitiation for your sins, or you can, you can try, you're not going to win, but you could try to walk into heaven and say, but I've been good before a holy, perfect, righteous God. And if you've, ever, if you've ever lied, if you've ever stolen, you've ever cheated, listen, you are a human being. Everyone in here has sinned, amen? Right. If you are a sinner, you need to be saved. And guess what? We're all sinners. Amen. Jesus came to seek and to save those that were lost. Right. And when we profess who Jesus is, we become the righteousness of God and we are able to stand in His presence because of our advocate, because of the completed work of Jesus Christ. But he's the only sacrifice. He's the only way, the only truth. When we start getting in places where we're trying to deny who he is, deny the truth of Jesus, we're not going to win. But God is still God. That should terrify us. (laughs) But when we submit to him, that, that, that terrifying fear becomes reverent fear and we rejoice in what Jesus has done. Amen? Look at 16 through 20. We'll take this to the end. It says... Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. And so, you see that word amen? Can I just throw it out there? I throw that word out there like 80 times a service. You guys probably get so tired of that. And if you haven't noticed, now you will and it'll drive you nuts. So, but that word amen, I love that word. It means to agree, to acknowledge, say verily that is truth. And see, it's, in this case, the way it wraps it up, that this is truth. This whole thing is absolutely fact. And notice what's happening here in verse 16. It says, the 11 disciples went into Galilee. We're like, I thought there were 12 disciples. <laughs> well, remember, at this point, we know that Judas Iscariot had betrayed Jesus Christ. We're told that he went to the religious leaders. He betrayed him for 30 pieces of silver. We're told that he came back in Matthew 27:4 and said, man, I betrayed innocent blood, and he threw it. That's an interesting thing. Even the betrayer acknowledged, man, Jesus is innocent. This was wrong. This was evil. And when he threw that silver down, the religious leaders took it and they said, we can't put it back into the treasury, into the offering, because it's blood money. Let's go buy a potter's field with it. Do you know that even in that betrayal, that fulfilled Jeremiah 32, it was fulfilling messianic prophecy, even in the way they would go purchase a field. A bunch of people that didn't even believe in who Christ was were fulfilling the fact that Jesus is who he says he is. Amen? You can try to deny Jesus. You can try to fight Jesus. It doesn't matter. He's still going to be Lord. The only thing you're called to do is to submit to him (laughs) and see in this it says there's there's 11 there but what Matthew is focusing on here is not all the appearances of Jesus you can go to all the different gospels you can put together the whole day he's appearing he's showing up you can see all these things what he's focused on is the fact that Jesus told them that he would rise again and so you say how do you get that out of that section you see it says that he went to the mountain right they went to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them and then they saw him and worshipped him you see he had told them in Matthew 26:32 he said but after I have raised I will go before you to Galilee See, after the resurrection, after the news that, man, Jesus has appeared to us, the women would say. All the women, Mary and the group and all of them said, Jesus is alive. They go, man, we have to go to where Jesus told us to go. (laughs) Expectant that Jesus would honor his word. (laughs) This is a very important, crucial detail to being a follower of Jesus Christ. Be expectant that Jesus keeps his word, amen? Amen. Jesus is not going to let his words fall to the ground. If Jesus says, go and do this, go and do it and you'll be blessed for it. (laughs) And see, they go, let's let's go to the mountain. Let's go where Jesus called us to go. And he honors his word. He appears before them at this mountain. We're not sure which mountain. Maybe the Mount of Olives. Maybe the Sermon on the Mount where it was given. We're not sure. But it says here, they worshipped him. And the word for worship is proskuneo in the Greek. This means to fall upon one's knees in paying homage to a revered superior. They're saying, you are Lord. You are the risen Lord, the risen Christ. You are who you say are. We are worshiping you. But it's interesting, in the Greek, there's also this word for doubt. And what it means is, is... the idea of being being leery to fully step into the full belief <laughs> let me tell you it 's not that they were doubting well, no, is Jesus really Lord? in this moment they 're doubting, is this real? <laughs> what we 're partaking in? can this really be what 's happening before our eyes i don 't know about you guys, but sometimes i 've said this before, right like I have no business being in this relationship with the Lord. This seems unreal. But in faith, I worship him. And in those moments where I'm like, how is this possible? I go back to his word and go, well, he said this would be the case. Think about Thomas, though. We talked about doubting Thomas. Poor Thomas is a doubter forever, right? But remember what Thomas did? He said, man, unless Jesus lets me feel the wounds, unless I can feel his side, I don't know. I don't don't know about all of this. (laughs) And see, we actually see this happen. It's in John 20, 25. And Jesus arrived and stood before him suddenly in the room. Remember, the locked doors and everything. He shows up. And he says, hey, reach your finger here and look at my hands. Reach your hand here, put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but be believing. And Thomas did so. He obeyed the command of the Lord, and he said, my Lord and my God in John 20, 27. Let me tell you what this means to us today. You might say, I don't know if I believe all this. This sounds too good to be true. That I deserved hell If this is a real thing, I deserve to go to hell for eternity. But somehow God put on flesh as God the Son. He came and died in my place after living a perfect life. He was innocent and he went and died. Yes, that's the truth of the gospel, amen? That you may inherit eternal life. That you may become the righteousness of God. And we hear that and we say, that sounds impossible. That sounds insane. But when we say, Lord, help my unbelief. Do you know what the Lord does? He shows up and he shows you. You say, how do I get this? Go to the Word of God, amen. amen? The Word of God reveals who God is. It reveals the truth. And as you're in the Word, we're told in Romans ten seventeen, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the? Thank you. The choir. I had to get the choir on that verse every time. We know that one. This is why we do what we do. The Word of God continues to build our faith. It builds truth. It makes us realize that even when we start to get, you know, like, like doubting in these things, the Lord says, come and try me. Test me against my Word. And I will show you that I am true. <laughs> I will show you that I am your Lord. I am your God. And man, any doubt that you have when you bring to the Lord, He's going he's to prove Himself to be who He is. Amen. And He will show you. And I'll tell you, it may not be, <laughs> let me be clear, it may not be His physical manifestation to say, feel these wounds. But again, I tell you, when you begin to hear the gospel, I'll tell you, if you're here for the first time, you've never heard the gospel before, that you're a sinner, that you need to be saved, that Jesus Christ died in your place, and you now have an opportunity to come in to be in the family of God, to be a child of God. When you first hear that, your heart beats against your ribcage. In a way that you say, this is uncomfortable for me. I don't like this. This is weird. That is the Holy Spirit knocking, saying, you need to trust in this truth. And in that... I tell you, that's not my job to do. It's the Holy Spirit's job to do. All I have to do is give you the word. And as I give you the word, the Holy Spirit moves, and it replicates just the way that many of us. How many in here, show of hands, how many of us have put our trust in Jesus Christ? Amen. These are all testimonies of the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. These people come willingly again and again and again to worship Jesus because he shows himself faithful week in and week out. Whatever you are trusting in, it's not faithful. It is actually destructive. But when you trust in Jesus Christ, it's what you are made to do, and he will show himself to be the truth. And when we come to him and trust him, he gives us this commission. And see, in 18 through 20, first of all, Jesus begins by saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. <laughs> this is important. Jesus uses this word for authority, it's exousia. It is the most supreme authority of all authorities. He's just risen from the grave and says, Oh, trust me, I am in charge of everything. The kingdom, the heaven, the earth, they are mine. I I have the power of these things. Do you know Colossians 1 tells us that all things were created in him, for him, by him, and through him? That kind of blows your mind because I don't know about you. I always think about God the Father being the, the creator and Jesus Christ is like somewhere over here. It says that all these things are in Jesus Christ. When we start to reduce Jesus of not being God the Son, being God, one of the three, right? We have Holy Spirit, God the Father, God the Son, three in one. When we don't understand, when we make God or Jesus Christ someone he is not, we are perverting the gospel. We are perverting the word of God. <laughs> There are groups gathered this morning that will tell you Jesus is not God. That is not true according to the Bible. Jesus is God the Son. Amen? Amen? This is important because it means God came and put on flesh and died in our place. The love of God was shown as that event took place. As God the Father gave His Son and as the Son willingly stepped in our place through the power of the Spirit He's resurrected to prove Himself for who He is. And it says here that He has all authority and He says now that I've told you, you already worship me as Lord I've told you that I have the authority in all things I have a command for you a commission for you to do he says go and make disciples of all the nations you see sometimes the church believes that. okay I've come to the Lord now I can sit on my hands and just wait for the rapture or eternity or something right go That is. it's funny you know what that word means in the Greek go it doesn't mean stay it doesn't mean stop it doesn't mean don't do anything it means go well what are we supposed to do make disciples of all the nations. This idea of making disciples is to teach, yes. to instruct. And it's interesting, it doesn't say, go to Israel and make disciples of the Jews. No. Now you, you can, they're part of all nations. <laughs> but the reality is it's to go further than that. It is to go, out, and I'll tell you this morning, a bunch of Gentiles likely in this room, we are so blessed that Jesus didn't come and relegate this plan to just the Jewish people. He gave this to all people. Amen? amen. We're told in Matthew 16:15 that we are to take it to all creatures. (laughs) And it's funny, we're like, what, are we supposed to preach to like horses and cows and things in Texas? No. This was to express the point that in the Jewish mind, man, other Gentiles, those are like creatures, those are like animals, man. They aren't even people. No. Take this out to every human person. Take it out and give it out. (laughs) And see, what we say, well, what are we supposed to do with that? We are to make disciples. This talks about teaching in a minute, but when we make disciples of all the nations and they profess to believe in who Jesus is, Jesus says, go baptizing in the name of the Father, of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Note that it says the name, and then it lists three three people, right? We'll say three gods, but three people, one God. One name, three persons. It doesn't say the name of the Holy Spirit, the name of the Son of God. It says the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. This fundamental idea that we are going out and proclaiming the triune God of who Jesus is. And can I tell you what baptism is, according to Romans 6, 3, and 4? That we are identifying with the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. See, the water baptism, let me be clear. Water baptism is a wonderful thing to do. It's It's commanded by Scripture. But if you just go and say, cool, I'm going to get water baptized so I can be made right and that's it. All you're going to be is a wet sinner. You need to come and say, I believe in Jesus Christ and what I'm commanded to do. The very first simple obedience that's here is to be water baptized because it signifies, it tells everyone this public outcry of this inward reality. The man, I have been buried with Jesus Christ and I've been raised in His power of his resurrection. Amen. And see, when we think about this, the fact that we're to go out doing this, it says, but you don't stop there. Don't just get people baptized and go, hey, so good, see you later. Get lost now. Go figure this out. It says, teach them. It says, teach them all to observe all the things that I have commanded you. And I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Yeah. This is so crucial because what the church should be doing, this is why we do what we do every Sunday. We work our way through whole books of the Bible and we're doing this to reveal who God is according to His Word. Can I tell you, the Word of God shows us we're a bunch of sinners. The Word of God shows us that He is good, that He is holy, that He is right, that He is just, but He's merciful and He's gracious. And that He sent His Son to die for us. And see, we're told in, I believe it's 1 Timothy 4.16, it says, Take heed to yourselves and to the doctrine, continuing in them, for in doing so you will save both yourself and those who hear you. We're not done studying the Word of God, amen? Amen. We're not going to attain nirvana or something and be like, oh, look at me. I've completed this whole thing. Now I'm just, I know everything. That's not how it works. Sanctification is a process. We have to continue in it and grow in it. And as we do so, we're going out and we're making disciples of those around us. Not with my theories, not with my doctrines, but with the Word of God. And it tells us we are to go and teaching. Teaching is so cool here, because in the tense that it's in in the Greek, we can translate it like this. Keep on continuing teaching. I love this idea because people come in at like, Calvary Chapel man are you guys serious you're still just teaching the word of God yes <laughs> this is what we do and I'm sure there's other great churches out there that are doing the same but I'll tell you this is what we build upon we teach the word of God day in day out Sunday in Wednesday in or whatever day we're meeting we're teaching the word because we believe that again that faith continues to grow as we study the word of God it refines us it's, a, it's sharper than any two-edged sword piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and joint and marrow and it's a discerner of the thoughts and Intense of the hearts of men. And see, when you open the Word of God, there's this thing that happens called conviction. (laughs) And see, when you get cut with that, first, it's pretty uncomfortable. Man, I'm a sinner. I've bombed out in that. But can I tell you, it's not condemnation if we trust in Jesus Christ. Romans 8.1 tells us there is no condemnation for those who are in Jesus Christ. Conviction is a tool, an instrument of, of the Spirit to make us and refine us more like Jesus Christ as we run towards it. Amen? Amen. But condemnation, condemnation is when we've rejected Jesus Christ and say, I don't need his word. I don't need any of this. I'm fine on my own. I can live the way I want. I'll do whatever I want. And and you know what, Satan, it's funny, when you're not in Christ, Satan tells you, oh, that's right. You're good. You're good. You're good. But when you come to Christ and you feel conviction, Satan tries to tell you, oh, that's condemnation. You're not saved. You're not saved. How are you going to know you are You've got to go back to the Word of God. Satan's goal is to keep everyone away from the Word of God because faith comes by studying the Word. And Jesus referred to himself as the bread of life, right? And man doesn't live by bread alone. He lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. And Jesus is known as the Word of God. You see, Jesus says, you need me. You need me like bread. You need me like water, living water. You need everything that I have. And if you don't have Jesus Christ, I'm telling you today, today is the day of salvation. You've come here to be saved to put your trust in Jesus Christ today. He is risen. He is alive. And he says, rejoice. And he says, I will be with you to the end of the age. I love this. It means that Jesus is here to protect us, to comfort us, to guide us, to lead us. He's here to save us. We're told in Hebrews 7.25 that Jesus always lives to make intercession for us before the throne. Do you know that though we come to Christ, you know we still sin, some of us, right? I don't know about you guys, I still sin sometimes, right? When we fall short, we are saved by grace, but we have to pray and say, Lord, forgive me, cleanse me. You might say, I'm too sinful to be saved. (laughs) This place is made for sinners to become saints. I love, amen. Have you ever walked into a gym? And said, man, why is this place full of people out of shape, right? This place is not doing its job. You, you go to a gym to get in shape, right? And then when you get in shape, guess what you have to keep doing? You have to still go to the gym. <laughs> Otherwise, atrophy, you'll, you'll, you'll actually regress, right? Church is for the saved. that We grow. We are for sinners that have become saints who trusted in Jesus. And if you're not a saint today, you can become a saint by trusting in Jesus Christ. This is the message of the empty tomb. And see, not only empty tomb, but a risen Christ. Amen. All we had was an empty tomb, no appearance of Jesus. Maybe we could make things up and figure out maybe they just stole the body, but then Jesus starts showing up, proving himself to be alive. We just raised hands earlier. All those people know that Jesus is alive today. What are you going to do with that information? Are you going to submit to it and worship him, or are you going to run and try to cover up the truth of the gospel? I'll tell you, submit today. We're told if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. saved. Amen. That's the choir of saints right there. They know it because they live it, because they once were lost, they once were blind, but now they have been saved, now they see. And so I invite you in this morning. Amen? Amen? Why don't you guys stand with me? We'll come before the Lord. Lord, Heavenly Father, we come before you now, Lord, and we thank you so much for your goodness, Lord. We thank you for your word this morning. We thank you for the empty tomb. We thank you for your resurrection, Lord Jesus. We thank you that we can rejoice in you this morning, Lord. And Father, I pray right now, if there's anyone in this room, Lord, that hasn't put their trust in you, that they would do business with you right now. But right in the stillness of their heart, if you're here and you haven't put your trust in Jesus, today is the day of salvation. Right where you sit, in the silence of your heart, you can pray this prayer after me. It's not the end of things. It's the beginning of this relationship with Jesus Christ. You're calling on the name of the Lord, as Joel 2.32 calls us to do, as Romans 10.13 calls us to do. You would say, Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. Give me a brand new heart. Fill me with your spirit. I accept you as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name I pray.